Why don't we open our Bibles? We're going to look at three scriptures, and I think you guys have it over there, right? So this is what I like to do. I like to honor the Word of God. So if you could just arise with me as we read the Word of God. I love public reading of the Bible. You know, I want, as, you, as we read these three verses together, I want you to allow the words of God, the words of the Scripture to really uh, go deep inside of your soul, yeah, and let it really root your souls in His words, amen? So we're going to look at Romans 14.8, Habakkuk 3.17, and Acts 16.25. So starting at Romans 14.8, ready? Go. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. Amen. Habakkuk 3, starting at verse 17. Ready? Go. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to thread on the heights. And lastly, Acts 16.25, it says, ready, go. Along about midnight, Paul and Silas were at prayer and singing a robust hymn to God. The other prisoners couldn't believe their ears. So let us pray. Father, we pray that you would give us your perspectives. God, every day, God, the enemy speaks lies to our minds. It, make, it makes us feel like we are surrounded, God, by just, just, just hardships and tribulations and lies and, and sadness and, and disillusionment and discouragement, abandonment. But, God, in reality, we are surrounded by you. God, in the midst of transitions and in the midst of the storm, God, will you allow your sons and daughters, God, to see the storm the way you see the storm? The storm isn't there to tear us down, but it is there to allow us to rest in your truth. It is there to carry us to the other side of where you are taking us. So Holy Spirit, we ask that you would put on each one of your sons and daughters that are here with the garment of praise, that we would ride the storm by worshiping you. We thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen? Amen. You may be seated. Okay. Who was here two weeks ago when Pastor Benjamin came here to preach about the storm? Okay. So, so for those of you that weren't there, let me give you a summary. You know, what he said was that the way we as human beings, the way we see the storm is different from how God sees the storm. Okay, when God, when Jesus in the Bible saw the storm, you know what he did? He looked for a pillow to sleep, to rest, okay? When we see the storm, we freak out, we get the bucket, and we, oh, God, why have you forsaken me? We feel abandoned by God. We feel abandoned by our loved ones. When we see the storm, we feel like we've been punished. When we see the storm, right, we, we don't see it. 
the way God sees it. Hmm? And what Benjamin said was that God, when God sees the storm, he sees it as a vehicle to carry us to our next destination, right? I think it's really interesting that God spoke to us saying, end of 2017, he said, 2018? Because every year, you know, Benjamin fasts and he prays and he listens for the revelation for the next year. And every year, he, in December, he fasts and he listens, right? And I think what was interesting was 2018 is the year of rest. If you didn't know, Soda, 2018, the theme of this year is the year of rest. And you know what? From January, right, there's so many storms. Like, when I look at, as pastors, I meet with different individuals, right? People are going through the storms financially, you know, relationally, emotionally, right? So many different ways. Even as when I see the body of Christ that we are related to, and even within our house, we've been going through storm after storm. And often in the midst of the storm, what do we do? We question, God, where are you? Have you left us? Where are you, God? Or we look at ourselves, God, did I do something wrong? God, what's going on? We question and we look for someone up there, somewhere in here, or someone outside to blame, right? And um, I think what's amazing is Benjamin and I have experienced, and I think a lot of us have, the leadership have, is that the more storm came, the more grace of God we're experiencing. It doesn't mean we don't cry. It doesn't mean we don't freak out here and there. But there's a grace of God in every storm to carry us through. I think, um, I don't know, did Benjamin talk about the false prophet when he was here two weeks ago? No? Yes? No, yes. He talked about if we, if Mickey and Krista and Benjamin and I, we called out a prophet every Sunday here. Did he say this? No. And he made that, pro- that prophet prophesy. But every time he prophesied, he was wrong. He would come to Larian and say, Larian, God loves that you are Korean. And you're thinking, uh... I'm not Korean, you know. Oh, Krista, God is about to give you a husband. And you're like, uh, my hu- I already have a husband, you know. Oh, Brody, you need to forgive your wife. And you're like, oh, I'm not married, right? If a false prophet prophesies every Sunday and again, and we put them up, what would you do? If he prophesies, would, would you believe that false prophet? Even if he says something good? What if he says, tomorrow, God's going to give you a million dollars? Would you believe that false prophet? No. But you know what? Benjamin made a good point. We wouldn't believe a false prophet that prophesies, that says something false, right? But why do we always believe fear in our minds? Wow, right? When he said that, I was like, I was, I was sitting in the front. I was like, oh, my gosh, because I do. I, I always believe those voices of fear. But in the midst of the storm, you know whose voice is loudest? The voice of fear. And Benjamin was like, in the midst of the storm, you got to kick 
you know, Nikki and Krista, Benjamin and I, we would have to carry that false prophet out and say, never come back, right? And in a sense, we have to kick out that false prophet, that voice of fear from our minds. Hmm? Benjamin said, storm, when you see the storm, you got to ready to ride it to the next destination. And in the midst of the storm, you don't see clarity, right? When, you, when the disciples, when Jesus asked the disciples, let's go to the other side, right? And it's, God, it's Jesus who said, let's go to the other side, right? And in the midst of obeying Jesus, the storm came. And when the storm comes, did I hear Jesus right? Maybe I'm not supposed to be here. Maybe, maybe, maybe. But in that midst of the storm, what Benjamin talked about was the way you write the storm is you don't question, but you always go back to the beginning. Before the storm, what did God say? And once you remember what God said before the storm, then you, you cling to the words of Jesus and say, Jesus said we're going to the other side, which means the storm cannot kill me. The storm, the boat will not be, be destroyed. We got to always, in the midst of the storm, go back to what Jesus said and cling and walk in obedience and ride that storm out. Hmm? I was meeting, I was hanging out with uh, Pastor Chinway. Who, who was at the retreat? Remember the uh, beautiful diva, the African-American worship leader on Saturday morning? Who remembers? The way maker, right? The way she sang that way. Oh, my God, so powerful. Well, she's also my best friend. And so we were hanging out. We were getting pedicures, right, after the retreat. And as we were talking, she's like, oh, Sonny, God taught me a great lesson. I was like, what, what? He's like, you know what? We're only one step away, one step of obedience away from our blessings. We are only one step of obedience away from our breakthrough. I was like, ooh, ooh, one step, bam, breakthrough. One step, bam, blessings. But right before that one step, this, this false prophet of fear, oh, you're going the wrong way, oh, blah, blah, blah. And then we turn around and we get distracted, right? And this is the, uh, this, she said she was going, she took her daughter, a teenage girl, right? And she was going to run some errands, right? And then uh, she knew her daughter wanted to buy a gift for her friend's birthday. And so she went to JCPenney and said, oh, Rumi, why don't you come out? Come with me. You know, there's a lot of good stuff, you know, by the counter. Like, you, you should buy. You know, maybe you could get something from there. Chinwei already knew that her daughter didn't have enough money to buy something at Jesse Penny. But she's like, I know she doesn't have. I'm going to pay for it. She already, already, even before her daughter asked, she was already going to pay for it, right? And then, come on, let's go. And her daughter, teenage girl, hormones, right? She's sitting in the car. Don't tell Rumi I said this, okay? In the car, bad attitude. Well, what's the use? I don't, I don't even have enough money to buy anything over there. And so she was just complaining. And so, you know, mothers, you know, when we try to bless 
or daughters or sons, and then they have bad attitudes, like, never mind then, right? <laughs> I mean, I feel that, like, with my own daughter, right? And then, and then um, so she was thinking, okay, fine, stay. And so she walked off. But as she's walking off, God's speaking to her. You know, this is a great opportunity to teach your daughter. Okay, fine. So she goes back. And then she said, Rumi, how much do you have? How much do you have in your pocket? $5. Give it to me. And she's like shocked. I only have five and I don't, that's not even enough. You're going to take that? Like she could tell like Rumi's eyes were like going, what's going on, right? But in that moment, Rumi could have said, no, this is all I have. But then Rumi reluctantly, but kind of confused, gave that $5 to Chinway. Chinway took the $5, and then she took out $20 bills. She gave it to her daughter. She said, Rumi, what did you learn? What did you learn? Hmm? You think you're giving everything away. Mommy already knew you didn't have enough. All you had to do was trust mommy and with good attitude. You were only one step away. Who, I mean, who knows? Maybe she would have gotten not only a gift for her friend, but for herself. You're only one step away from your blessings, right? Oftentimes, the storm, see, Benjamin and I have different perspectives. And, and sometimes I'm frustrated with his perspective, but at the same time, like deep inside, I know he's right. Every time we go through the storm, you know what I think? I'm like, I've seen, I've sinned. And so I'm like, I'm sorry, God, I repent. And, but I don't know what I did wrong. So I was like, Benjamin, what did we do wrong? Did I do something wrong? P please tell me so I could repent. And he's like, what are you talking about? What we're going through, we must have done something wrong. He's like, what are you talking about? We need to repent. Let's fast 21 days. We don't deserve to eat. Oh. So in the midst of the storm, it's like, oh. And then men's like, what are you talking about? God is setting us up. So I'm thinking I'm getting punished because I did something wrong. Going through the same thing. And Benjamin's thinking, no, God is setting us up for promotion. What are you talking about? We're just, we're just one season away, one step away from what we've been crying out for. No, no. We don't have, you know, but oftentimes, right, what, what matters is here. Do we listen to the false prophet of fear? Or do we go back and listen to what Jesus said before the storm? Hmm? Past few weeks, okay, so I'm Korean-American. Any Koreans over here? Okay. I'm Korean, but I grew up here. So I pray in Korean, I worship in Korean, I preach, oh, did I say, no, 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 never mind. I pray in English, I worship in English, <laughs> the spirit of fear, get out now. <laughs> I preach in English, I do everything in English. So if I had to go speak at a Korean church, I would have to like get Google Trans, right, Google, and then I have to translate everything, and then I have to like memorize it. And then I could, like, speak in Korean. So I'm not, like, naturally, I don't, when I go before God, I don't speak in Korean. I speak in English. I preach in English. Okay, you get that, right? Okay. So anyway, but I, like, however, like, past few weeks, this one 
Korean song kept coming back, coming back. And I keep singing. And every time I sing it, I just cry. Right? I just cry. And I, like, like, I could be in the car. I could be at church. I could be anywhere, right? I could be any, in Olympia school, right? I could be, and that song comes. I just sing it. I just cry. And I, I, I sing this song. It's like my soul is, like, crying out. Right? And the song, uh, just for the Koreans, I'll say it. 부르신 곳에서 나는 예배하네. 어떤 상황에도 나는 예배하네. So I tried to, uh, I was talking to somebody and I was trying to tell, tell that person like how those words are like, oh. And so I interpret it in English, which means um, where you have called me, I will worship. In any circumstance, I will worship. But then I'm like, wait. Doesn't feel like I inter I translated it, but that that in English it doesn't give that. Oh, right. It's like, and the person who was not Korean is like, oh, that's nice. No, it's not just nice. You don't understand. So I had to like explain. It's like it's like you are like in in the midst of the storm. Everything's dark, and you're sick. You're in pain, and every everyone abandoned you. You know, the, your loved ones are mis they they don't like you, and 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 you're like you're in pain, and you're you don't know what to do, and you can't see anywhere, and the in that moment, your soul arises and says, where you have called me, here, I worship you. I choose to worship you. No matter what circumstance, maybe I am abandoned. Maybe I am sick. Maybe, no matter what circumstance, God, I choose to worship you. I choose to worship you. And when I explain, that's the only way I knew how to explain. And they're like, oh, that's so uh, right? <laughs> and so as I was listening to Benjamin preach two weeks ago or three weeks ago in Emeryville, this song kept arising and kept arising and arising. And, and you know, we're in like so many different, our personally, financially, and, and corporately as a church or even in our kingdom relationships. There are, we're in situations where I just don't know what to do. I just don't know what to do. In those moments, I can't, I don't have enough wisdom to figure out. But in those moments, all I could do is worship. You know, I have a friend who has been in, in and out at an emergency at Stanford. Like, she kept getting cancer, and then she got over it, and then he came back again, and now she has seven tumors in her brain, and, and they're so, it's in her lungs, and it's in her heart, and, and, you know, every time, like, my sister and I, we call each other, all we could do is cry, because I, I don't know how, like, I want to believe for complete healing, but I see her in so much pain in that moment, I just don't know what to do to help her, but in that moment, in that moment, all I could do was worship. That's the only thing I know how to do. We looked at Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17. You could put it up there if you have it. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines. Though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food. Though there are no sheep in the pen, 
and no cattle in the stalls. Yet, everybody say yet. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the height. You know, sometimes as Christians, all we want is mountaintop experiences. And if we're not on the mountaintop and we go through valley of the valley seasons, often we don't know why and, and we feel like God had forsaken us and we're looking for how do I get to the mountaintop. But how many of us know we can't always live on the mountaintop? There are mountaintop seasons, there are, there are valley seasons, and there are times where you have to climb the mountain. And you don't even know what's waiting you on the top. But you got you to gotta be faithful to climb. We have different seasons in our lives that we have to walk through. You know, a uh, few of us, we got together and we started doing this mindfulness class. And... Um, you know, you get a mat, right? And we have a, a marriage family therapist at our other campus. She's leading us through this. You know, we breathe, you know, breathe in for a second. You hold it, and then you breathe out, right? And then you, you, we lay out, and she just leads us into this mindfulness um, sessions. And the, what she says is this. In this mindfulness class, there's no agenda, and there's no judgment you don't you're not here to get revelation from God this is not a therapy session where you need to process things we in mindfulness class there's no agenda but simply you stop you stop and you breathe and you become aware of your state so if you have tension in your neck don't judge it just I have tension in my neck just become aware if you are frustrated and anxious, she says, don't judge it. Don't say, oh, why are you still? No. Oh, you have no faith. No, don't judge it. Just become aware. Because often we live our lives without any self-awareness. And so we've been doing this no agenda, okay, no judgment, mindfulness. And in that moment where I am, I look for Jesus. And I hear his voice, okay? Now, if you think about it, um, Paul and Silas, right, in Acts 16 we read, they obeyed God, right? They were preaching the gospel. But then what did the scripture say? They people, the mob took them, they, I mean, they beat the, right, <laughs> out of them. Right? They, they strip them off their clothes. Right? And if you look at, read it in the message form, it says, like, they're black and blue. I mean, they were bruised everywhere. And they are put in the prison. And, you know, often when you get sick or hurt, when does it hurt the most? At night. Right? And, you know, you go to work, and even though you're in pain, you take aspirin, and you, you know, but at night when you're laying alone, you become aware of all the, all, you know, back pain, right? Right? All back pain, all, you know, oh, I wish I could escape, but I, oh, this back pain is keeping me from my only joy, right? Like, you become aware in the 
Midnight hour, you become aware of your pain more than during the daytime, right? And when they are experiencing the most pain, where you and I would say, Paul, Silas, you have every right to complain. But in that pain, the most painful moment, what did Paul and Silas do? They praised, they worshiped God. In the message, what did they say? They say they sang a robust. I don't know, when I hear robust, I think of like how Ying would just like jump up and down and like scream, ah, right? Rip off your shirt, ah, Jesus, right? Ah, right? It's like, like they gave it all to praising and worshiping God in their midnight hour when they are in most pain. When we're going through the storm, we can't ignore. We can't say, oh, it's not there. No, we got to We got to become aware. You know what? This is hard. You know what? This is painful. We got to become aware. But at the same time, in that awareness, we meet God. In that, in that, in that awareness, we choose to worship God. You know, worship may look different in the midst of the storm. It's not going to look like smog machine and lights down and, you know, different people playing, you know, different musics, right? And then Mickey, you know, dancing, you know. It's not going to be like, you know, Anna in the, in the background. Yeah, you know, that breakthrough, like breaker anointing, you know, breaking off, you know, like atmosphere, right? You're not going to, it may not look like that in the midst of the storm. In the midst of the storm, your worship just may look like tears, just falling down. And in your heart, in your soul, that silent resolve to say, God, I choose to trust you. I choose to worship you. You know, worshiping God in the midst of the storm, you know what it is? It's choosing to look to God before you look to others. It's choosing to trust in God more than the people or even your own hands. Choosing to cling to God instead of looking to others. There's a little uh, worship equals surrender. Can you put that up for me? To me, storm worship looks like this. You're in pain. You don't know what to do. Then you choose to worship. Maybe you can't sing. Maybe you don't have a voice like Mickey. But you know, you could worship by surrendering in your heart. And once you surrender, you don't know. You don't know to go to the left or to the right. In that place of surrender, you trust. You don't look for outwardly that something. But inwardly in God, you trust God. Because you trust God, even in the midst of the storm, you could hope in God. In the midst of the storm, your worship looks like surrendering, trusting, and still hoping in God. Hmm? We're going to skip some verses. We're going to go to Genesis. You know, when I look at Abraham, who's been known for the father of faith, he went through a lot too. He did not have mountaintop experiences all the time. 
But what made him our father of faith is this. In whatever season he was at, he built an altar before the Lord. Altar was his worship. Altar was God, I choose to look at you first. His altar was looking to God, trusting in God and anchoring in God alone. So if you look at Genesis chapter 12, 7, okay, look at that, okay. When God appeared to him, you know what, and gave him a promise, he said he, uh, Abraham built an altar there before the Lord. You look at Genesis 12, 8. Again, you know, he moved, right? He moved to a different place, and he says he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. You can look at Genesis 13, 4. There, he had, that's where he built an altar, and he called on the name of the Lord. 13, 18. Okay, so Abraham went to live near the, right? And where? Wherever he went, wherever he moved, he there, he built an altar to the Lord. And then you look at Genesis 22. Even when God is asking for Isaac, he built an altar to the Lord. And he put his own son at the altar. And because Abraham always worshipped God in every season, you look at 2625. His son, Isaac, he built an altar and called on the name. When you and I choose to worship in the midst of the storm, people are watching us. And when they go through the storm, they said, Miki and Krista, they worship God in that storm. I could do it too. Pastor Benjamin and Sonny, they built an altar. They chose to worship God. Well, you know what? I could do that too. If you look at Hebrews 12, 21, here, Jacob, so Abraham, Isaac, Isaac had Jacob, right? Here, Jacob, he's dying. And when Benjamin preached about the storm, he always, he talked about the water is in the boat. It's not in your lung. So why are you experiencing death prophetically? You're not dying. You're not dying. But we use this prophetic gift to suffer when and he's like, it's not that nothing bad is going to happen. Just suffer when that happens. Don't suffer beforehand prophetically, right? Water's not in your lungs. It's only in the boat. And Jesus is on the boat, so it's okay. He, remember he did that? Here, Jacob, water was in his lungs. He, here, he knew he was dying. He's not prophetically thinking, I'm going to die one day. Here, he's dying. Okay, and right after this verse, he died. <laughs> it's real death. But even when he was, everybody say, when he was dying, he blessed. He blessed. He chose to bless even though he knew he was dying. And then what happened? And he worshiped. Even when he was dying, he chose to worship God. Why? Because he saw his father. And maybe he saw his also grandfather doing the same thing. God is looking. He's looking into your hearts. He's looking into my heart. And he's looking for a true worshiper that would say, God, it's hard. I 
don't know what to do. In the midst of the storm, God, will you help me? Will you help me to worship you? Hmm? He's looking for worshipers in the midst of the storm. Let's look at John 4, 23. It says, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. Would you be found by God? Hmm? You know, I remember um, our first mission trip to Mozambique, Africa, back 14, and a, 14 years ago, right? So we took a team. We went to Africa, right? And uh, believe it or not, 14 years ago in Africa, people actually died of malaria. Right now, all you need is, you know, right, pills, right? People actually died of malaria. And we, uh, I woke up in the morning. So at that time, like, I was a lot younger, right, than now, a lot more skinnier. <laughs> at that time, I did not have the experiences. So when I took a team, you know what I did? We had 7 a.m. Uh, team devotional that I woke up 5 a.m., right? And I would go into the, the, the other building because I didn't want to wake people up because, you know, I'm loud, right? And I'm, wor- I'm, I'm praying, God, have mercy. And when I pray, it wasn't like authority, like, oh, God, thank you. It was more like, oh, God, have mercy. If you don't show up, I'm going to look stupid in front of my team members that are older than me, that are wiser than me, that are smarter than me. Oh, God, please, right? And I'd be just, like, graveling before the, oh, God. And then, like, I, I you know, I'm, I'm not as courageous as you guys think, and I'm, like, freaking out with all the bugs that are surrounding, and I'm praying, oh, Jesus, ah! And, you know, I freak out by myself, and, and you know, I spray myself with, like, bugs spray and 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 as I'm like like freaking out and like oh god I was really desperate and in the midst of that right I hear the God saying Sonny the answer is worship and I'm like God what, what's the question you know I don't know what the question is right and, and God's like answer is worship it's like okay and during team devotion time I was like God said the answer is worship and then they're like what's the question I I don't know I don't know. And then, you know, that day we had to pack up and we had to go to the villages, right? Unreached villages, right? And we go in, we have to put a tent up, right? And so there's a little shack where they're trying to plant a church. So with the guy there, we went from hut to hut, inviting people to a a revival that night, just out in the open, under the tree, right? Like in Africa, somewhere over there, right? And and so we're like going going hut by hut, inviting them to church. And then we get to this hut, and there's a man that's dying. And he couldn't even sit up. He was, like, on the floor, and the, the, the sweat was, like, like, pouring. It's like as if somebody was pouring water over him. And he's pouring, like, and he's, he can't even lift, open his eyes. He can't even, like, say anything. You know, he was dying. I think I heard he was dying of malaria in that village. A lot of people were dying of malaria at that time. And I remember we gathered, you know, our team members, and we're like, Jesus. And we prayed 30, 40, 50 minutes, and we're like, God, heal him. Heal him, God. Heal him. And nothing, nothing. He didn't even, like, open his eyes. 
like, oh, God, please, God, what do we do? And then, and then I remember the answer is worship. So I was like, oh, yeah, maybe this is the question. So I said, I said, stop praying, stop praying. And they're like, and our team members were like, oh, what, what, what? Stop praying, just worship. And we started to sing that worship song, right? For you are great, you're the miracle song. We were just singing that, right? Just in English, right? We didn't, we didn't learn it in Portuguese or whatever their dialect was over there in that village. We didn't know. So we just sang in English and we just sang our hearts out. Because we didn't know what else to do. We prayed. And he wasn't getting healed. But then I didn't want to leave the hut with the man dying. We didn't know what to do. And God said, answer is worship. So we just started to worship. And as we worship out of, and it's not like we worship in like two minutes, like God healed him. That didn't happen, right? We worship 30, 40 minutes. And as we worship with all of our hearts, we just closed our eyes. We didn't even look at the man that was signed. We just closed our eyes and we just worshiped. And after, I don't know, 45, 50 minutes, out of nowhere, this strong wind comes through the window, right? And it goes through, and then the wind goes out the door, and the, the door, little it's a little hut, right? Like wooden, it opens, and the wind goes out. And we were like, whoa, what was that? And when we looked, the guy was completely healed, dry, and he sat up. Yeah, give him praise. You know what was crazy was he said, I mean, he, of course, he received Jesus, and he said, can you come? My niece is also dying. And so I didn't even go to that one. I just sent the team with that guy to another hut while I went back to the center or, you know, where our tents were. And they, the team went, and they just worshiped, and God healed that little girl. And, you know, that night, God showed up, right? They came and they testified, and God showed up. Oftentimes, you and I, you and I, we have no idea what God has in store for us. It's like God is saying, what do you got? All I got is $5. Give it to me. But God, this is all I got. What do you mean give it to you? Like, what? It doesn't, sometimes it doesn't make sense. And sometimes, sometimes you're in a situation, you're like, God, I'm here because I'm obeying you. You told me to do this. You told me to go here. You told me to trust you. And I did. But I feel like I'm deeper in the pit by walking in obedience. What is going on? And God is saying, give me that last $5. It's painful. God, shouldn't you like work miracles and make my $5 become I'm waiting for a miracle, God. But instead, you're asking my last $5? What are you doing? What are you doing, God? In that moment, God is saying, will you trust me? Taking, surrendering, trusting, hoping, in God. You have no idea what God is going to do, where God is taking you and I. We don't know what's on the other side of that water, but it's good. You know what God is saying? 
my son, my daughter, you're just one step away. Don't, don't freak out, right? Just one step, just one step away. One step of obedience. And in that moment, I don't know where you guys are at. Maybe you are in the valley of valleys and you just don't know what to do. And maybe some of you, maybe you are out of the valley and you're climbing up the mountain. And you feel like, what's the use, God? I've been climbing and climbing and I don't see the top. What's the use? I'm tired and you want to give up. And maybe some of you, you are at the mountaintop and you feel good. You feel so loved by God. You feel so blessed in whatever situation you are in. The call of God to you and I, you and me, right now, today, wherever he has you, right now, whatever situations that you are in, right now, find financial, relational, whatever, wherever you are at right now, God is saying, my son, my daughter, will you worship? Will you worship? I had a friend who had to give birth to a baby that died in her womb. I said, how would you? I don't know how to encourage her. God, I don't, like, I'm, I feel forsaken on her behalf. God, I don't. Why would, why? It doesn't make sense. What? Even me. I was like, God, how, I lost words. And I don't understand what God is doing in her life. And in that moment, I'm just crying with her. How are you doing? And you know what my friend said? It's painful, but I'm worshiping me. I'm worshiping me. I'm worshiping out of this pain. It's hard, but I'm choosing to worship God in this. I don't understand. You know what God is saying? When you're in transitions, when you're in the storm, you don't have to figure out. You don't have to fully understand. You know, oftentimes, you know what keeps me from really worshiping is I feel like I have to understand, and I feel like I need to figure out what to do. And I'm like, oh, you know, like, oh, like if I could, like, squeeze my brain, you know, oh, God, what, right? But God is saying, no, 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 no. In the midst of the storm, it's not your job to figure it out. In the midst of the storm, it's not your job to fully understand. In the midst of the storm, the only thing, one thing I ask of you is to trust and worship. I've asked Amy to come. You know that song that I told you about? That Korean song that's like, oh, right? Oh, wherever you have called me, God, I, I, it's pay, I, I worship you. That song, I've asked her to come sing this here. And as she sings, I want to invite you. I want you to just listen and you may not understand what it means, but you do because I already told you, right? I want you to listen. And I want you to allow the Spirit of God to stir up your heart to worship. You're in the valleys. I want you to stand up and choose to worship.
you're climbing the mountain, wherever you're at, God, I choose to worship you. You're on the mountaintop, God, I choose to worship. You see, as pastor, as the senior pastor, as the servant of God, what I know is that without worship, we are nothing. Without worship, there's no way, there's no way we know how on our own without worship to cross the waters, to walk through the storm. 